0: Okay. Uh, what we're going to try to do is understand the conversation between Moshe Rabbeinu and the Kodesh Baruch about his shlichut, about his his charge to take the Nei Israel out of Mitzrayim. So the pesukim say this: Pesukim, v'ata l'cha el paro, et b'nei Yisrael Mitzrayim. That seems like a pretty straightforward uh, 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 pasuk. Uh, if it was not God speaking, we would wonder about it. But since it is God speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu, okay, I mean that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Ma, uh, Rashi explains, Imtoma tomar, matolil." Right. So Rashi makes it into a kind of a, a thought and a rethinking, like as though you read the pasuk like pause and Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to himself what for? and then HaKadosh Baruch continues and says right? Rashi is kind of trying to explain why there are two clauses why doesn't HaKadosh Baruch say to Moshe Rabbeinu Rashi et and then clearly he's got to go to the trial. I mean he's got to negotiate with power. Why have two statements? Okay, I mean this is a kind of nuance you know it's like, it's like uh, uh, you know a little extra but even if we didn't have Rashi we would understand it more or less the same way. Then by Yoma Moshe Lelokif a response, even though it's a response it's like introduced in this long introduction by Yom Moshe El HaElochim. Mi Anochi El Paro B'nei Yisrael Now this is always a problem. It's always a problem for us to understand how you can have a conversation with HaKadosh Bofel. It would seem to us that anything that HaKadosh Bofel said is kind of, uh, the, that's the last word. I mean, what is there to add? If HaKadosh Bofel says, do something, so that must mean that you could do it. I mean, how could Kodesh Bofu say, do it, and then the response be, but how could I do it? That seems to be uh, something that is, it, it's not expected for us. So it's not what we would think a conversation with a Kodesh Bofu would intend. Would entail. So, V'yobah El I mean, like, you've got the wrong man. Right? I was not the winner in the beauty contest. I was, like, second runner-up. I mean, whatever that means. Whatever that means, but that's what he says. So, all the before she comment on the fact, not only that Moshe Rabbeinu is responding, not so much that he's responding, but is that the response has two caveats. One is Mi like, Anochi like I'm not you know I'm not big and strong and handsome etc. V'chi Yotziyetz B'nei Yisrael of Mishraim is though it's not one thing but somehow it's two different statements. Rashi says Mi Anochi Ma'ani Chashuv L'daber HaMalachi It's as though Moshe Rabbeinu is entering into the decision-making process with HaKadosh Baruch. It's as though that there's someplace there's a committee and the committee has got to decide who is going to take the Jews out of its tribe. So they make a list of criteria. So what are the criteria would be for someone who looks good amongst kings. You know, so that's a suit and a tie and a, you know a Rolex watch or something, that's who you'd send to talk to paro melech Misraim. so Moshe Rabbeinu says miyadi chashuv mean, I mean this is Rashi Rashi means it's the bread and butter of the Jewish people I always keep trying to tell you this and this is how, this is how the Jewish people have understood this pasuk from time immemorial or if not immemorial for at least a thousand years which is a long time anyway so, so for a thousand years people read this pasuk. I remember, you know, my father, all of a show, him, I was always amazed that he learned the Cheder, he learned the Cheder, he never forgot it. Chumash, Taich. Rashi, Taich. You know what Taich is? You know, to translate. He was able to say every passage of the Torah, translated into Yiddish, and then every Rashi and translated into Yiddish. But the way they did it was, it was the same. It was part of the, it was the same text. There was no, no distinction. So here's Rashi. Rashi says, Moshe Rabbeinu looks at HaKadosh Bochum, and just meeting HaKadosh Bochum face to face for the first time, right? This is the first time God that Moshe Rabbeinu and HaKadosh are having this serious conversation. And HaKadosh Bochum say, you're chosen. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, look, I don't really fit the uh, the criteria. And what sort of conversation is this? And then Rashi says, V'chiyotzi'et v'nei Yisrael, Ba'afin chashuvah ne." Even if I'll knuckle under to your demand, Rabbanish your of that say that I am worthy, I'm chasuva What merit do the Jews have that I will give, that you will do a miracle and take that of Mitzray? Like just like read the Rashi slowly. There's nothing, there's nothing hard here. There's nothing, uh, uh complex or something. It, it just, it's just remarkable. You just like. First Bible says, Moshe Rabbeinu, let's get the Jews out of Mitzray and bring them back to Canaan. The, the promised time has come for the promised people. What does Moshe Rabbeinu say? Well, you know, maybe I should like, go to college first. Maybe I should you know, become a dentist do do like, work a few years. Maybe the Jews could work on themselves. Maybe they could build up a little... I mean, what, I mean, what does Rashi think? I mean, what is it Rashi wants us to think? about this conversation in the Torah. So it's not, not, I think it's somewhat more difficult with Rashi than it is before you learn the Rashi. I mean Rashi really sets you to wonder what's going on here. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu answers. Pasuk Ki ki ticha Mitzrayim <laughs> so he answers. Akhari Shmuel answers Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu says, because he answers the conversation, You sure you want to take the vitamins right now? I mean, maybe they could suffer a little more. Maybe they have a few more years of slavery, they'd appreciate it more. They wouldn't be so stiff necked. Right? So Akhari says, No, that's the time. Right? So as far as he, the answer seems to be Kiyayimach. So that the reason for going out of Mitzrayim is a Hashem. Somehow that answered the question. You look at Rashi. If Rashi says, According to Rashi, this is a real conversation in which it seems that Moshe Rabban is being portrayed as being on a par in the conversation with the Rabbeinu even the Rabbeinu said, do this, Moshe Rabbeinu is discussing the matter. Now this is not entirely new, I to have to remind you about other about Nevi'im who, who were not so interested in following the directive of God, and each one of them is problematic, whether it's Yiriyah or Yonah, and here Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is the first of them. And Moshe Rabbeinu had this experience at the Sneh, Right, I had this experience at the uh, burning bush, which indicated to him that there was something very special that was going on. And one would think that Moshe Rabbeinu would be a little more humble at this intersection of his life and not uh, not try to second guess heaven. I mean, how could uh, I mean it's it, it's hard to believe. So look at Rashi, that's what so in other words, according to Pro says to Moshe Rabbeinu, like so, a little put down here, what do you think? You're going to Paro? I mean, I'm sending you to Paro. you you uh, if you say you're not worthy, you're probably right. You're not worthy. But you are working for God, which means that it's gonna work, it's gonna happen. I mean, so that's one answer. So that's again, throws it back on Moshe Rabbeinu. What did Moshe Rabbeinu think? That Moshe Rabbeinu was being appointed to, to run a four-minute mile or something. I mean, of course he's, God is doing it. I mean, who did he think is doing it? He thought he was doing it? I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu knew more about these things than anybody else? I mean, I mean at least so we'd like to sort of maintain that picture in our minds that Moshe Rabbeinu is after all, Moshe Rabbeinu. And he Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, saying to our Kodesh oh, he picked the wrong person. I'm a, like a poor, a lowly shepherd. All I do is drag around with sheep all the time. I mean, I'm going to go to Paro. I mean, he's going to not be impressed by what I say. And then it, it says, "Kedaya milatziut, <laughs> kasher aita asne asah shlishuti veinenu kav kach teilech b'shlishuti veincha nizot." So, I'm not even talking. Gives him a little mussar. It says, "Don't be the one with the sneeze." it's going to burn and not be consumed because that's the way God commanded it. So you'll also go and, and do what you have to do. I mean, what are you talking about? What are you arguing with me for? <laughs> so so Moshe HaVadu said, What's the shchut? What's the chutzchut the B'nei Yisrael says? So it's like if we were interested in painting a picture, we'd say, look at these people in Mitzrayim, they work all day. It's a hard life. What do you think, they're learning Torah all day? You think they are three and while they're building Pito and Ramses? They're learning Torah? So that means from the time that slavery was imposed upon them in Mitzrayim, who knows if they did any mitzvahs? Who knows if they learned any Torah? Who knows what they did? Did they do chesed? Did they, did they, uh, did they give stoket? I mean, nothing. These are people who, the, in the, that's what slavery is. Slavery is the inability to, to maintain your identity. You can't be who you should be. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, it's always, the, it's always like, uh, okay, I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I don't know what this slavery did for them, but it certainly didn't make them worthy of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Right. You can't say that they're living on a higher level. You know, the Chazal said that it, Yaakov came to Yosef. They picked up learning where they left off. Like when Yosef left Yaakov, they were learning the departure of Egwa Arufa. And when they met again with the Agalot, he sent Agalot to get Yaakov so he knew it was Yosef because that was what they were learning. But you think when they were slaves they were also learning? Okay. It says in the, the Chazal say and the Rambam says it also at the end of to of Yovel that the levian somehow maintained the learning of Klau Yisra. But that is not the obvious pshat. It's not the obvious pshat in the chumash. And he, Then Rashi says, so, so, so Kodesh Baal says, I'm sorry, Kodesh Baruch says, so you know what they have? The skhut that B'nai Yisrael had, it's like he agrees with Moshe Rabbat, there's an agreement. There's agreement that, that B'nai Yisrael don't, are not worthy. So Kodesh Hu said, the worthiness of B'nai Yisrael is that they are in three months from now, going to receive the Torah and accept it. So that since in the world of HaKadosh there's no time, right, there's no now and future and past, but everything is real. Everything is real all at once. And since it's clear to HaKadosh that the new Yisrael are going to accept the Torah, that's the merit that enables Yitzhiat Mitzrayim to take place. So I think that... In spite of the fact that the conversation is a little difficult for us to understand, we have finally been able to derive a limud, some extra bit of understanding, which is really very profound. And it teaches us that even though Akhlavi's Baqal told Avram Avinu, I mean, you could add to it, I told Av- Avram avim, they're going to be slaves in the tribe, and the slavery will go on for 400 years, that's what Akhlavi's Baqal said to Avram Avinu. And if we ignore the dates a little bit, which don't work out, but it's clear that slavery in Mitzrayim has a limit. right? It has a beginning and has an end. That's what HaKadosh Baruch said to Avram Avinu. And since the time that Moshe Rabbeinu is told to with HaKadosh Baruch, I'm trying to explain Rashi. Oh, you know, you know, in case you lost track of where I am. I'm just trying to explain what Rashi is doing. So let's say the question of Moshe Rabbeinu is... The question about right Moshe Avedu is this. 400 years have not come yet. Rashi doesn't say this. Right? We're making it up. But it's okay. It's okay. I mean, my age. We'll make it up. Make it up. Because, because we know that Rashi knew all of these things also. And we know that the time had not come. The 400 years were not up. So maybe the question of Moshe Rabbeinu was something like this. Right? That since the limit of 400 years has not come yet, so there must be some great schut that Bnei Yisrael has been able to garner during the years of slavery that I, Moshe Rabbeinu, don't know about. But like what's the schut? Not so much a, an ejection. Not that Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, don't let them out of Mitzrayim. But that Moshe Rabbeinu is simply saying, what is it? What's the schut? What What is it that enables me, Moshe Rabbeinu, to take Bnei Yisrael out of Mitzrayim long before right, it's all we redo, right, 210 years and not 400 years. So what was the schut? So HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe Abedu because they prepared that in three months' time they're going to receive the Torah. So sometimes the schut is not de facto, right, it's not like the schut of something that you've done, but here we talk about a schut, the schut in which HaKadosh Baruch is certain of what you're going to do. That also becomes, that also becomes a, a slug. So maybe, maybe that's what the conversation is. The conversation between Moshe Rabbeinu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not about, should I do it, shouldn't I do it, but since you're asking me to act against the divine directive that was given to Avram Avinu, there must be some extenuating circumstance. There must be something that makes sense out of all of this. The Torah, you see the Rashi, here yet Eva ve'yechich v'shlichutcha la'ot alatkha afer et she'ani mafteichacha she'te'tzeim im tzeim ta do not the alahrasim she'tikablu hatta ra'av hi aschut so it's another version of the same idea that this is what I mean you understand that you, Moshe Rabbeinu, are going to be able to take them out of the tribe it's not dependent on a particular s'chut that they have now, but it's dependent on the s'chut that they will have, that they will have in the in the future. Okay? Now there are a few more psukim which are much more difficult, that are on the sheet, that are much more difficult than the psukim we've just learned, so I'm going to ignore them and skip it. Okay, but if you want to learn these psukim, you know that these are... This is where Hakadosh Baruch somehow reveals some sort of secret name to Moshe Rabbeinu, which would be able enable him to identify himself as the shaliach of Hakadosh Baruch the day But that's a different topic. The topic that interests me is Moshe Rabbeinu's response, which consists of two parts in pasuk Yud The first thing he says, ki el Paro," and the second thing, according to Rashi at least, "Ki." right so that the second part Rashi has explained to us Ki B'nei which means actually why is it that the time has come for them to leave Mitzrayim because it's not 400 years yet so what's the skrut however the question that Moshe Rabbeinu asks Mi that remains a mystery we don't know what Mi Anokhi means. What Moshe Rabbeinu, what Moshe Rabbeinu was referred referring to. Okay, so we'll look at the Rashbam. The Rashbam is in the tradition of Rashi, of course. This is like a heroic Rashbam. You know, Rashbam usually is very short, but this Rashbam happens to be very long, so we'll read together at least a part of it. The Rashbam says this, Mi Anokhi. I just read the introduction because it's you know it's interesting in itself, right? Misho etzela amod alikavshutoshim kraot alonu yaskiu b'tayushze. So the the, the, the Rashbam says, you know, if you want to know what the pshat is in this pasuk, you have to be a little bit clever. You can't be just dumb. How so? He says ki arishonim mi many lo ebitu b'klau that's nice. He says, everybody who came before me who tried to explain these psukim really messed up. Right now, you know, one of the people who came before the Rasha of course, was Rashi. But the others, I mean, he doesn't, I mean, maybe he doesn't mean Rashi, but we'll see. But this is still, look, you know the Rishonim often disagree with each other. But they don't always make introductory, laudatory comments about each other. Well, sometimes they do. But they don't always do it. And certainly the Rashba doesn't usually do it. That's not what he does. His interest is apparently writing something brief. Sort of like adding on to Russia, Adds on things to Russia. Here, here he has like an axe to grind. So he says, Moshe Rabbeinu was responding to the two directives that he received from a Kodesh Bofa. One, go to Paro. And second, I want you to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim, and what's the way they're going to go out of Mitzrayim? Paro is going to command them to leave. That's what Akkadish Bokhu said to, to Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Posse, let's go and look at the Posse. Posse Yud above. Vata lecha veslachecha, el paro, votseeta mebin eisha mebisrayim. So what does that mean according to the Rashbah? You, Moshe Rabbeinu, go to Paro. Because you have to do it in Sparrow to send the people out of Mitzrayim. There's a kind of a convoluted method here. You say, Akkadish Bok wants to take them out of Mitzrayim. You would have thought Akkadish would go poof, they're out of Mitzrayim. Like I, mean, I mean, what do you need? Do you have all those Makot. Some of those Makot are pretty uh, fantabulous, right? As Makot go. So why couldn't, that? instead of doing all those Makot, Akkadish Bok would go poof, and they, they would all be on their way to Hartsinai. No. I thought Hashem says to Moshe Abed, you go to Paro, talk to Paro, convince him to let the Jews leave the tribe. This seems to be less than uh, uh, the most reasonable way to do it. So that's what the Rashbam says. Moshe Shiva Rishon Rishon Mi Adochi Ki Eilech Moshe Abedus said, Right, Even if I come to Paro and I bring him presents, you know that great leaders, great leaders like presents. But I've seen all the, pres- all the presidents of the United States when they retire, they have to get cartons, cardboard cartons filled up with all the junk that were given to them by the kings and queens who visited them of the, of the world, but they all get, you think, you know, some people have everything? Nobody. Everybody wants a present. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Try it sometime. Try, try go to a to a wedding, a you mitzvah, know, and say, "I heard you have everything, so I'm not giving anything." Right? It doesn't matter. everybody wants another another one, right? Another, it doesn't matter what, uh, you know, another pen, another iPod, another whatever you can get. You know, it's great. Everybody, that's the thing. So even power or milk, if it's right. I feel I need Avilu You know, like Moshe Rabbeinu, even if I save up all my pennies and I buy a worthy present for Paro Melech still, how am I going to? So this is what what Rashi said. So the Rashbam is sort of like expanding on Rashi. What is his expansion on Rashi? As we'll see further on, the Rashbam is trying to make us. He's trying to explain to us that what HaKadosh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu was not that you will go to Mitzrayim and say poof instead of HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying poof by poof I mean you are out of Mitzrayim in other words uh, Adjur Bidjem, uh was that uh, abra African Yeah, like like it said it, Akon mostly said abra Daphne abra of a tribe. So Boj Rabedu go to Africa abra advertising. So he says, No, that's not what Akon Jabal said. According to said, Bojra Baeli, you're my Shalia. You've got the job. What's your job? To get them out of a tribe. How are you going to get them out of a tribe? You have to convince Pyro. So Bojabeli said, Me, I wouldn't be to get an appointment. I mean, I'll call him on the phone, I'll say, this is Moshe Rabbeinu, God sent me to talk to you about the Jews leaving the tribe. So the appointment secretary will say, probably, you, you must have the wrong number. <laughs> right? you know, who are you? I mean, like, so, so this is, it was, it. was the change or the expansion, the words of the Reshbam, as we will see, is in the nature of the command that HaKadosh Baruch gave to Moshe Rabbeinu. And then, it's not like Moshe Rabbeinu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, listen Moshe Rabbeinu, I want you to go to Mitzrayim, and every time a Kodesh Bohal does some miraculous thing, I want you to put out the sign. God did it. No, that's not what Moshe Rabbeinu's job is. Moshe Rabbeinu is to effect a change. Right? The change that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to effect is called Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim. The way he's going to affect it is by convincing Paro to let them go. Moshe Rebbe hears that, he says, I don't want the job, I don't have, I don't want the job, I I want the job, I don't think I can do it, I mean, what what armaments, what kind of ammunition do I have with which I can do a job like that? It's impossible. So then the Rashbam goes out. He says, even if I get in, I get past the appointment secretary, I yell, I scream, I cry, I laugh, I do whatever it takes. So it says, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what argument could I adduce that Pyrrha should let the Jews out of its tribe? Mean, I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu may have been a shepherd, but he was not a fool. He, he, he's, he's responding, according to the Rashabab, the explains And the Rashabab explains that Moshe Rabbeinu is the Seder to the Moor. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the job to Moshe Be'er. He didn't say, you will, I'll do it and you'll stand there. He said, you'll do it. So Moshe Be'er said, I'll do it, I can't do it. And then he goes on and he says, <coughs> He says, What sort of statement could I say? As a result of which I would be able to get them out of Mitzrayim. And the Rosh Hashanah will be shown, 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 and the rest will be remembered. And said to Moshe Abedu, "It's not. I'm not sending you alone, but I'll be with you. And chin, that's the word that the the <laughs> uses, which we've spoken about in the past. But somehow, Paro will be willing to see you, and he'll be happy to talk to you." that'll be sort of the miraculous aspect of it but what people are going to see is Moshe Rabbeinu arguing arguing about it so, so then he continues further about to say but the miracle of the is an indication, I mean after all, you, such a thing never happened in the world before, and it was only done for Moshe Rabbeinu's benefit, so you see obviously that Tanish is with Moshe Rabbeinu and is committed to the success of Moshe Rabbeinu, etc. You say to me, what am I going to say? So Achalish Bochle is having this conversation with Bosher Rabbeinu. And says to them, This is what you should say. Not only am I sending you, not only am I telling you to talk to Pharaoh, but I'm telling you now what to say to Paro. So what you should say to Paro is that you're only going for three days, or you want to go for three days, and then you want to sacrifice sacrifices, said, on this mountain, and then you come back. He says, "Oh, that Paro will consider that." We don't know why, but we can imagine. We can imagine. You know that in the ancient world, in the ancient world, we know this. I mean, I say we know this. I read it in a book someplace. but I can't say that I had time to take about half my life to figure out if this was really true. But the way they taught us in school when we were little kids is that if it's in a book you should believe it. Uh, This is, you know, uh, in a hard way we have learned since then that that is not always true, but uh, still, you know, it says in the book that the ancient world, the ancient world means at this time, you know, when one country captured another. So there's always this question of what they should do with the local religion. Should they let the people be religious, or like act, you know, continue to, to serve their god as they had in the past, and in that way it would be sort of like a palliative, or as Marx was destined to say many years later, right? There would be an opiate. In those days they hadn't learned about opiates left yet in Egypt, or should they say that the religion is itself a source of revolution sometimes. That revolution comes from religious leadership, as we see today in, in certain parts of the world, which I wouldn't mention, because who knows what will happen. But, uh, what uh, we see, so, so there was this duality in the attitude to religion, right? We know that uh, when Koresh became the king of Persia, Koresh became the king of Persia 535 BCE. He decided to let the Jews go back to Eretz Israel and to renew the worship of the Chodish Baruch in Yerushalayim. And this was not because, at least I can't imagine, it's because he was a, he was a Murano or something who was like secretly a Jew. But somehow he felt that this would stabilize the empire. That was him. But the Babylonians or the Assyrians before them, Remember the Assyrians the Assyrians conquered the 10 tribes in 722 BCE and the first thing they did I don't know if it was the first thing they did. If I say that, I'll say it's the first thing. The first thing I know that they did was that they moved another population into into Eretz Yisrael which that population became uh, eventually the Samaritans, what we call the the Samaritans. The reason they did that was because they thought that a displaced population is not as unruly as a native population, like if you if you have, uh, if you have strong roots in the place that you live so then you could you're become a patriot more easily, but if you really are dreaming about going back to you know, Eretz Israel so you're not going to be a great Polish patriot so this is like a, you know, who knows, uh, this didn't work, and that didn't work and that's why the empires were built and and collapsed over the years. So according to uh, the Rashbab, HaKodesh Bokhu says to Moshe Abenu, if you say to Paro that you're going for three days and during those three days what you want to do is worship your God, then Paro will agree. He doesn't say why Paro will agree. So I made up a story. right? Maybe the story that I made up explains why you could have a Havamina to think that Paro would agree or what HaKodesh Bokhu meant what he said to Moshe Rabbeinu, going to the Rashabam, that Tara will agree. So, in, in other words, if I had to sort of like try to understand what Rashi and the Rashabam, what, what issue they are trying to connect me to. Clearly, it's the question of the function of Moshe Rabbeinu in Yitzias Mitzrayim. Was Moshe Rabbeinu just head, And Yitzias Mitzrayim was going to happen the way it happened no matter... Who was standing there? And I was a Moshe Rabbeinu. Played no role other than announcer or intermediate between Paro and God's will. But that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't do anything. I mean, he was his greatness came to the fore at Matan Torah. Matan Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu became the conduit of the Torah Min Hashamayim to Am Yisrael. And from that point on, we could talk about Moshe Rabbeinu and his greatness. But in Mitzrayim, Moshe Rabbeinu was the announcer, he was the, the organizer, he got everybody together, and he really did a job for which Moshe Rabbeinu, the qualities of Moshe Rabbeinu were not so necessary. That's what, that's why I think the Pshat in Rashi and the Rashabam is the issue. of sorry, not the Pshat, that's the issue. And so they come to teach us, Rashi and Rashbam together, that no, that even in Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, Moshe Rabbeinu had a job. He functioned as a leader. He was the one who took B'nai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. It's true that our Kodosh gave him direction. Baruch he helped him. But it wasn't that he was a passive, kind of a, a note passer from to Paro and back again to HaKodesh Baruch but his job was to intervene in the way Paro thought about things to change the way he thought and to create a dynamic flow in favor of Yitziat Mitzvah so I think that that's what the question is that's what the question of, of Pshat is and then so if you say Mi Nochid, that Moshe Rabbele said who am I He's not talking about should I accept a charge that's placed upon me by a kodesh Boga? That's not a question. Of course, he's going to accept any directive that a kodesh Boga gives. But if a kodesh Boga says to Moshe Rabbeinu, you and not a kodesh boker, 100%, I'm going to take the Jews out of the tribe, You, Moshe Rabbeinu, are going to do it. So I could have like a, like a real park where they write the history of Yitzhak the tribe.
1: Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be
0: there. Of course, he'll be left out of the Haggadah eventually. But okay, that's a conversation for a different time of the year. But Moshe Rabbeinu is going to do it. Moshe Ha'beni they take the Jews out of Shashatim. So it makes sense that Moshe, it makes more sense. I mean, here we're talking, we're trying to understand the story that Moshe Rabbeinu would say, "Me Anochi. Right, Like I don't have those qualities. I, I'm not Koho bepeh. I'm not a person who has great power of, uh, of Gab, the gift of Gab. I'm not able to convince everybody to do things my way. And therefore, since it's placed upon me, the burden is mine, Moshe Abeinu yeah. says. Therefore, I don't understand what a Kodesh Bofu means when a Kodesh Bofu says that I'm going to do it. Don't say what it means. So this makes sense out of the story in a way, in the way that Rashi and the Rashbam want to make sense out of this story. Okay, if we look at the Ramban, look at the Ramban. The Rambans, there are two Rambans, but I, I don't think we'll have time to do both of them, so we'll do the first one. Oh, <coughs> to see the Ramban, page two. Rabuham for Ashiba Remember the introduction of the Rashbam, right? This apparently seems to be that like nobody's happy with the tradition of interpretation. The Rashbam is not happy, and the Ramban is not happy. But Acholah <laughs> derech avshat ki Hakadosh Baruch Hu levad Moshe Shneidveri sheirad laatsilo miad mitzrayi. But yavshash sheirad I think miad mitzrayi. Yavshash sheirad miyadam be'etz goshel atzma okarov mishav. So, in other words, there's some kind of issue of Mitzrayim. That Mitzrayim has to be involved in salvation. It could have got, could have said to Moshe go to Eretz Goshen, save the Jews, get them out of, of Eretz Goshen. But he said, no, you've got to get them out of Mitzrayim. In other words, this idea, the Rabban is again, that even within the context of the Divine Command, HaKurah Zerol says to Moshe Rabbeinu, go and take them out of Nisra. So Moshe Abenu says, okay, you know, he gets on his horse or his donkey in those days and he goes, and then he says, Let's go, everybody, we're leaving the triumph, right? So the Egyptians get all excited about it. the way where are you going? It's like you're slaves. It's like oh no, we're leaving, we're packing so so who knows what would happen. Even if they get out of the trial. Even if he manages, you know, to lead them out, you know, he gets on a horse and he eventually becomes a movie like a Cecil B. Deville movie of the Trial or I don't know, Dreamworks, Dreamworks, does that exist? Something? Yeah. Then they got a cartoon like, you know, like that's the most hush of thing left to do in the world, You're like people, we run out of our interest in people, so we make them into cartoons, which I guess is like something important, you know, maybe it's a kind of sneeze, you know, it's cartoons are tsanua, but you have to watch out for the advertisements, they have never tsanua. Okay. I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, like, like Moshe Rabbein. So he says, he says who knows what's going to happen? We're going to take the Jews out of it, right? Even Shmuel and Avi, I thought the Shmuel said to him, go and appoint a king. Alright? The king's name is going to be David. Right? Appoint him king while Shaul is alive. So Shmuel and Avi says, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it, but Shabbat Shaul, I gave him. I mean, you give me also an insurance policy, that, that I'll live through this shlichut, it, it, in other words, there is this idea that even directed by God, and even if you do what God directs you to do, that doesn't mean that, that there are no unknowns, that you've solved the problem, I mean, there are no unknowns left in the equation, no, there are always unknowns. So what am I going to do? I mean, that's true that they're slaves. But they have a place to live. They go home every night. They, they eat supper. They go to sleep. Well, i say let's go to Eretz Kanaan. Who's in Eretz Kanan? Another bunch of all the Chayas, You know, all over Eretz Kanaan. Why do they go with me to Eretz Kanaan? You know, they have, they're living in Mitzrayim. You have one bunch that is hard to deal with. Okay, they got a bad deal, but at least it's it's steady. Right? You know, like they say, steady work. You get up in the morning, you go to work, and, and you get paid what you get paid. and okay, that's the way it is. That's how it was in Mitzrayim. The next paragraph, abahem. In Oh, k'archam. He says, uh, he says uh, they also he says, maybe they'll listen to me if I tell them, Well, get out of here. But uh, if I tell them we go there it's cannot, why do they listen to me? One mess to another mess? You know, I mean I mean oh, they want to be free, but they don't want to be again called upon to fight. Okay, so I would say that in this case, that while it's true that the Ramban embellishes, there are details in the Ramban that are added, extra, but he follows the path of Rashi and the Rashban in this manner, adding the following knetch, right? Do you know what a knech is? A knech is a wrinkle. You say that in English also, right? You say, there's there's a further wrinkle. A wrinkle means something you didn't see at first. Like you look carefully, you see something else. So what's the wrinkle? The wrinkle is that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't understand how he could pull it off without creating further disasters. Without, in, in other words, how is he going to convince everybody that besides Yitzhak and they can go to get the Torah? No one will bother them. They go to Eretz Israel, no one will bother them. They'll come to Eretz Israel, they'll capture the land, and no one will bother them. I mean, how can he convince them of all these things? These are people who are, you know, say young people who have difficulty living, and he's going to convince them that they're going to all become gladiators overnight. This seemed to Moshe Rabbeinu to be an unreasonable an unreasonable uh, directive. Let's look at the Svatimet. You know, I've told you many times, this picture of Chagall is not my, my choice. I don't like Chagall. Not that that matters to Chagall because I think he's considered to be a serious artist, but I don't like Chagall. I don't like anything. Maybe in the early, early Chagall, you know, but once he started having those Jews flying around on top of houses, I didn't get it anymore. So this is not my choice. It's not my choice. And like, one, uh, and like most uh, uh, things rendered by uh, great artists, if they didn't tell you what it was, you would never imagine that that's what it was. <laughs> right. So if there wasn't a title that said Exodus, meaning Moshe Abedal, the snare, right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu coming out of the there, So then you would never imagine it. Right? You think it was like, uh, I don't know, some, some chassid in a Polish town getting up and he dreamt that, uh, that everything is wonderful. So look at the Svater The Svatimet the Svater is uh, like a hundred years ago. Right? A hundred years. Ago, so it was skipping like a lot of Jewish history. But the Svater looked at exactly the same problem that Rashi, the Rashbam, and the Ramban We're looking at what was Moshe Rabbeinu saying when he responded to (laughs) Hakadosh Baruch Hu mi'anochi. And Shaloi even if Rashi and the Rashbam are right, even if the Ramban is a clarification, the language of Moshe Rabbeinu is quite harsh. Moshe Rabbeinu is not saying, not saying, uh, you know. Like maybe we could negotiate this, or maybe you could give me some further instruction on how supposed to do it. But he, he sort of calls into question. It sounds like he's calling into question the choice of the rebuilder. And you know that Moshe Rabbeinu, this is Paragimel through Dalit Moshe Rabbeinu does not stop insisting that he's the wrong person for the job until finally HaKadosh Baruch Hu agrees that Aaron HaKohen can join him. But it wasn't it wasn't a priori that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you will go with Aaron. It was only after Moshe Rabbeinu kept arguing, whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him did not sort of sit well with him. And then finally, a kodesh Hu, at least it looks to us, even though it's hard for us to say things about the kodesh Hu one way or the other, but it says, no, a kodesh Hu relented and said, Okay, Moshe Rabbeinu, if you don't stop, so I'll, I'll do it your way. It's, it's, it, this part of the discussion is not easily understood within the context of the Rashbam, Rashi Rashbam and the Ramba. And this is what the Sfata Net was faced with, he was faced with this incomprehensible wrinkle in the conversation, that Moshe Rabbeinu did not stop, and that HaKadosh Baruch so to speak, acquiesced, at least in part, to the Moshe Rabbeinu demand, and said that Arun Kohen would be his assistant, which means that somehow they would share the burden, that it would not be the same, that it Niyanochi means I can't do it alone, or I am not sufficient, okay, you and Aaron are going together, will be sufficient. Look at what the Svater Mev says. Dershu <clears throat> Chazal. <clears throat> <clears throat> Chazal said, Mazfut Yesh L'Hem. That this is what Moshe Rabbeinu meant. What merit did Ben Yisrael have? You remember, that's the Chazal that's quoted by Rashi. Right, Rashi quotes this kazan. He says, I don't un- understand. If what Boshua Bainu said was, what merit does B'nai Israel have that makes them worthy of living in Mitzrayim, Then how does that fit into the words that he said, at least the first part of the pasuk, which were Mianuchin. What does have to do with what are they? He's not saying, who am I? He's saying, who are they? Who are they to deserve or to have the merit of Yitzhak Mitzrayim at the triumet, this time, as we discussed, as we discussed before? The old, He doesn't understand Chazal. He doesn't understand Chazal. What do you mean Moshe Rabbeinu standing before God? God says they're going to go out of triumph and Moshe Rabbeinu said, well maybe we should check the, uh, the accounting books, maybe they don't deserve it, maybe, maybe. I mean, what, what sort of pshat is that? Tzvah Temet, says about the Chazah, a pshat, to makes sense. And the pshat is, after all, we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was the great defense attorney of Kalal Yisrael, that's what he was. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu knew that he would never fail. Because that was what he was. He was the defense attorney. He wasn't a defense attorney. He was the defender of Am Yisrael in the eyes of a Kodesh so to speak. And so here, according to Chazal, what did Moshe Rabbeinu do? Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, well, you know, maybe he counted wrong. maybe the years are not up, maybe they don't have enough Kuyot. Like, it's such an odd idea that Chazal put into the mind of Moshe Rabbeinu at the Sfat doesn't understand it. Let's understand how this is possible. Ach Moshe Rabbeinu Ola Mamash This is a statement that's made by people who, who like, think in a certain way. right? It's An absolute or ideological uh, uh, categories. And so he says, you have to understand. Ach, it means like, I'll explain it to you. I'll say to you what, what, what Chazal meant I'll say to you what Moshe Rabbeinu meant I'll say to you what really happened in the conversation Moshe Abenu, hayab Bechinat HaTorah Mamash like if you would say that a person is has, is an essence represents an essence everybody knows that people are complicated and some days are good days, some days are bad days some days are happy days, some days are sad days everybody is a... But, but great people Great people represent an essence, which doesn't mean that they're always that way every minute, but they're so much that way that when you remember them, that's what you think about. I remember Salavanus I used to say these did in the yeshiva from time to time about great Jews, and the way he did it was he tried he didn't discuss you know, daily life and where they went and how nice they were and how nice they went to the family and how many liked them. Now, that wasn't the way. The way that he did it was that he would look for some quality which in his mind that great person represented. I'll tell you it was chesed. So he would talk about the definition of chesed as represented by that great person. Now that didn't mean that Rabbi you didn't know that that person was not always doing chesed every minute of the day or the night and that you could write an article biography about him, he knew that but he also knew that when the person is, excels at doing something that thing in which he excels somehow begins, becomes him that's who he is, when you think about him, that's what you think about right, so like if you think about about the dhuldagong you think about the Vilna was tremendously dedicated to so Torah learning. So if you conjure up a picture in your mind, you see a picture of a man sitting and learning, right? You, you say, think about the Vilna Gold. Think, think, think. Do you see a guy in your mind who, at the golf course? You see the like guy swinging at the guy. You do You don't see that. Right? You Why? Know, how do you know? Maybe the, the Vilna Gold stuck out two times a week at night and played golf that How do you know? He said no, no because, because that's what happens. People represent ideas if they have the greatness of presence to represent that. So here Svatamet says this. So who's Moshe Rabbeinu? Like I have to grab onto a word. One word. I mean, uh, uh, Moshe is not a word. Moshe he was a child, of Moshe had a sister, Moshevah had a brother, and he had parents, and he had, he, he, did, he did righteous acts, and he got kicked out of his tribe, and like he's a, a very complex person, and we know a lot about him. I said, you have to think of a word that Moshe had to find Moshe in the Svatimet sense. That word is Torah. Now, you have to know now what the Svatimet means when he says that Moshe Abenu is Torah because he doesn't mean that Moshe Abenu learned Torah, that's pshita he doesn't mean that Moshe Abenu taught Torah that's also pshita he means something else and look, look what he means the kol Sava you alfi ha-Torah that you understand that in interpersonal relationships and the Gemara says it again and again and again and we all know that this is true in relationships, in human activity, the main uh, a one of the great words that is that is used. The one of the, the, the main uh, uh, directions that we propel ourselves is pshara. Pshara, right? What's pshara? Compromise, accommodation. Well, sometimes you know, like you have a neighbor, and the neighbor. Went a little crazy. So what's always the argument? Yeah, I did it. Why isn't that such a big deal? I mean, I have to go crazy. You know, like, I did it. I'm sorry. It was a mistake. He went crazy. So, so what do you do? You say, okay, I'll compromise. I'll go to my neighbor and I'll say, I made a mistake. I don't think I made a mistake. Naturally, I think I was right. So I accommodate. I accommodate. So according to the Sfat that's not Torah because on the idealistic level there's always a clear unique straightforward answer and that was Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu saw things with great clarity. He saw things as the Torah would want us to see them. There's there's somebody who's guilty it's not like like wishy wash. It's not like we'll give it a little to the left, a little to the right, let so everybody be happy. It's not like that. There's a right and there's a wrong. And who had the greatest sensitivity to right and wrong of all the people we know? was Moshe Rabbeinu. And we call that Torah. And he adds the word Mishpat. We add the word the Mishpat, that Moshe Rabbeinu saw things as Torah and Mishpat. And in fact, our Kodesh desired, so to speak, that the redemption of B'nai Yisrael should be al Torah, meaning that in every step of the way there would be a right way, there would be a proper way, there would be the only way. That's called Al-Piyat Torah. Shahe alPah has said, "Shu Listen to this. And so Moshe alvedu on this point, was willing to argue with the What whether everybody she won Gula al Alpi Torah, al Alpi that redemption should be honest, should be uh, straight. Should be Pashut, should, should be as it should be, and Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader of Am Yisrael, the first act of leadership that he exhibited was to say to Achashverosh, "No, let's do it al picheset. Let's give them a break. Let's not make the demand overwhelming. Let's not demand that they respond perfectly to the entreaties from God." So he, Moshe Rabbeinu, wanted, he wanted Aaron. Because Aaron, middoto shel Aaron, is chesed. And if you look at the top of the page where it says, Shemot Rabbah, V'yelich v'yivkishu chesed v'emet, This is v'nitzmedrish, Chesed v'emet nevkishu sedek v'shalom mishkut. Chesed z'a Aaron. Sh'nei mar, L'levi am'ar tumech v'erlish chasidech v'emet z'a Mosheh, So you know that when Aaron was asked to build the golden calf by B'nai Yisrael what did Aaron say? We'll try to fudge it. We'll start it. We won't finish it. It won't happen. Moshe made will show up. He says that's chesed. That's chesed. Moshe Avedo came down and said and started killing everybody who was involved with building the Eid al That's called Torah and Mishpat. I know that in our minds they always mix together. But here the Sratamet said no. That Moshe Rabbeinu's relationship to Torah was such that he could only be Torah. And he knew that Av Yisrael needed as in a leader, somebody who could add that quality of Chesed and so he wanted Aaron. And so he said, Mi Adolchi, who said? (laughs) Moshe Rabbeinu said meaning not that I'm not good enough. Meaning I'm Torah, I'm mishpat. Don't you think we need chesed? (laughs) Moshe Rabbeinu said Hakadosh Baruch Hu see that I should do it by myself. So Moshe Rabbeinu was afraid that if he is the emissary of God. And the Yisrael would have to live up to the expectations of the emissary of God in this case. And the expectations of that emissary are Torah and Mishpat. And he says it's true. HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe Abenu, it's true, on the basis of Torah and Mishpat alone they would mess up and they would not be worthy of Yitziat Mitzrayim. But don't worry Moshe Abenu, because I, Vashamayim HaKadosh Baruch will include this chut of Kabbalah HaTorah. And the z'chut of Kabbalat Torah will make them worthy of Yitzhak the tribe under the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu. So you see, eventually, this is not in the Sfatimate, but you see eventually Moshe Rabbeinu still was nervous about imposing on B'nei Yisrael. So Moshe Rabbeinu not only knew that he was a sholiach, but Moshe Rabbeinu knew that he would determine the attitude of heaven to B'nei Yisrael at the time of Yitzhak the tribe. And that the standard that he, Moshe Rabbeinu, demanded would be so high that B'nei Yisrael might falter. So ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch even HaKadosh said to Moshe Rabbeinu, the schut of the future will be accounted to them. But Moshe Rabbeinu was worried. That that would not be sufficient, that he insisted that Aaron share the leadership. And by sharing the leadership, Aaron put in that element of chesed into Yitzhak Nitzrayim. Which made it possible. because we know that after the, 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 uh, <coughs> the parashat of uh, Shemot, B'nai Yisrael came to complain to, Bnei, to Moshe Rabbeinu. They didn't say, great Moshe Rabbeinu, we're going, it's Yitzhak Mitzrayim time. They said, we're working harder than ever. The opposite has happened. In the context of Torah and Mishpat, which meant that they should have been able to recognize that everything that's happening is for good, and that everything that's happening has to happen and should happen, they would have failed. They wouldn't have been able to participate anymore in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But since Aaron Cohen spoke, in the name of HaKadosh Baruch everything was changed around and became, became a Yitziat Mitzrayim of Mishpat, but also of Chesed, and B'day Yisrael were able to continue, though they faltered, were able to continue on this road to, uh, to Matan Torah. Have a good shot.